All right, so Frank Vogel will stop by at 4.15, and we're giving away 1800 bucks at 4.30, so make sure you're tuning in for all that. But I will say this. I did see your picture. I didn't see it. Now, I had a really busy day yesterday, okay? I was I, normally that. on Sunday, Cap. It's not this busy. It's usually very chill, but I had a game yesterday, so I was up early doing work for the game, right? Like, getting ready. You know this. You work on, bro- on game broadcasts. Like, you got a lot of stuff to do. I had to interview right. Steph. Steph Curry, like I had things to do. So I, I saw your I saw your picture mm-hmm. uh, in your bike gear and you, in this very Tour de France look that That's right. you have going mm-hmm. on. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I I did not respond to it. I I am guilty as charged. Yeah, because um, you're lame, dude. You're lame. Bergman's lame. LZ's definitely lame. In fact, the L in LZ stands for lame. I mean, come on, what's up with you guys? I'm like, yo. It's a you beautiful tweet day. Too much. It's That's it's a gorgeous. It Let's it's just a be go- real. It's a you gorgeous tweet, day. You tweet too much. It's nice out. <laughs> what are you guys up to? You could have very easily snapped a picture with some no. notes in front of you. Bergman yeah. could have snapped a picture of him sitting in his apartment watching some show. Pictures. You know, Laura was out there hiking this weekend. LZ is somewhere glistening. No love whatsoever. Yeah. No playfulness <laughs> of any kind. Okay. What's up okay. with everybody? Okay. You wanted a so, picture of my couch. I mean, yeah. I could have taken a picture of my couch. Well, you know, boring. I got to tell you something. Thank goodness all the listeners out there were really cool about it. They're like, here's what I'm doing. I'm out on the golf course. Here's somebody else going, hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm out for a run. For those of you that jumped in, nice to hang with you. Everybody else here, a little lame. Yeah, no, just, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't like taking pictures, number one. I'm really bad at Instagram. Like, there's that. Um, mm. And by the way, there is a study um, that shows that men who post a lot of selfies are more likely to be psychopaths. Scott. Damn. That's from ScienceDirect.com. Hold on. Let me marinate on that for a moment. Let me marinate for a minute here. Mm-hmm. Let me swirl it around a little bit. Let me give it a little bit of thought here. Yeah. There's Got some study... white walls around you? You all right? There's a study that says that guys who pose in selfies are more likely to be psychotic? Men who post a lot of selfies are more likely to be psychopaths, it says. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I know I'm not, uh, I'm not the most stable human being. I got it. But I'm generally relatively normal compared to, I think, 95% of the population out there. Yeah. yeah. Unless you ask my ex-wife. Don't ask her. Yeah, this, this study is up here. Uh, it's a personality and individuals uh, study. And uh, it says here, the dark triad and, and trait of self-objectification uh, as predictors of men's use and self-presentation's behaviors on social networking sites. So it's literally about you. Wait, well, hold on. Hold on a second, George Sedano. Yeah. I'm not that much of a selfie person. I was really just taking a picture of it's a beautiful I mean, day. It's a beautiful view. You post a lot of pictures, bro. Right, but hold on, hold on. There's another <laughs> Let's person. Let's go through on, your Twitter. There's, there's a another lot of person. Selfies. Hold on. There's another person on this crew, and that is Chris Morales. Yeah. That guy. You talk about posting selfies. Hey, I'm at Black Gold. Hey, right. I'm smoking a cigar. Yeah, Look at we, me. I'm playing he, golf. He, here's the difference. We know he's a psychopath. Well, this is what this is why the question was posed. What are you guys up to this weekend? Let's see it. You guys weren't Y'all playing didn't around have with me. To post a picture. I just commented back. There so you go, Laura. I'm just saying, no picture yeah. was necessary, guys. I mean, Don't I was busy. I had things we to get do. It. We get yeah. it. You're interviewing LeBron now. Let me ask you a question, and George Sedano. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Yes. So I saw something on Twitter last night. Right. Where where Sports LeBron tweeted it. Yes. Okay. So LeBron is sitting down courtside after the game. Correct. And, and LeBron has his headset on because he's about to do a post-game interview. You're, right? Correct. With me, yes. Right. And, and then Steph Curry comes up to say hello to LeBron. 
Correct. You, or goodbye, like, in this case. It was after the game, yes. And believe me, this happens to me all the time on NFL broadcasts. I'm standing yeah. by. I'm like, hold on, hold on. He's almost done. He's, he's saying yeah. goodbye to this guy. He's exchanging jerseys with that guy. Wait, now he's praying. Okay, yeah. he's done praying. Okay, I got him. Yeah. So you're, inter- you're about to interview LeBron. Yeah. And Curry comes over to say, great game. Yeah. LeBron takes the headset off and hugs it out. And it, I hear question. a voice. Yes. Right, and I hear a voice say, okay, okay, we'll do it all over again. I did not recognize that it was your voice yes. until later in the evening when I was watching SportsCenter and I saw your interview with LeBron. Right. So I got the tweet and didn't know it was you until later when I saw it all play out on SportsCenter. What happened? We have, we have the audio. So here I will set this up. So the game was over because we had to get to SportsCenter. So we were taping it for SportsCenter. And because we were taping it, Uh, Because I've been in those positions before. Now, normally in those positions, I've been there on the floor with them, right? Where I can stop and I can see exactly what's happening. But while I'm interviewing LeBron, I'm looking at my camera mostly um, and trying not to look at the monitor, right? So I don't see that Steph is coming. All I see is LeBron. I hear LeBron taking his headset off. Then I look at my monitor and see that. And then I was kind of wrapping up my question when he took it off. But so I said, oh, we should start over again. And he didn't need it. He just went right into his answer, which was fascinating (laughs) Um, because he heard enough of it that he knew where I was going. But you can play the audio. Sure. Go ahead. Favorite right now. You're the leader of this team. How important was it for you guys to set the tone early? All right, we'll do it again. All right. You see, it was the mask, dude. Now that I just heard it. Now I can understand why I didn't hear that it was your voice. I can hear the muffle of the mask. Now, let me ask you a quick question because Mm -hmm. I'm curious about this, and I'm guessing that probably a lot of viewers and now 710 listeners are probably curious. Are you in the arena? Are you not able to get anywhere nearby? Where exactly are you? How's this happening? I'm in the arena. Mike Trudell and I are in a very similar position. Like He's Mm -hmm. literally like 10 feet away from me. Um, we are above the 100 level at Staples Center um, on the same area, uh, in the same area where the radio and TV broadcasts are generally, uh, which is above the first level of seating, except Mike and I are kind of off to the side, like in the corner of the, you know, the, the right, I would say opposite the Lakers bench is where Mike and I are. Okay, so um, you're there, you're in the arena. And I'm just curious because we talked about last week you were at Indiana and you said there were some fans there, right? There were fans in Indiana, yes. I think you said 2,300 last week. Correct. Okay. How many people do you think in total, estimate, how many people are in Staples for a Laker game? Um, probably maybe less than 200 or 300. Yeah. What's that sound like? I mean, there's nobody there from a fan perspective. They're just employees like people working the game yeah yeah i'm saying what's it sound like i mean it doesn't sound like anything none of just those people silent are cheering just just like the squeaking <laughs> they're, they're, of the floor and work. that's it yeah they're there for work i mean they're pumping in like fake crowd noise that that yeah. yeah that's pretty much the deal yeah that was funny though last night george i saw that all play out i saw it on twitter like i said i didn't recognize your voice at first and now that i hear it i realize that maybe it was the mask that was muffling you which by the way the why mask. do you have to wear a mask when you're so far away because everyone in the building needs to wear a mask. It's kind of the rules. Yeah, I just figure, you know, LeBron's not at that point. I mean, what are you, Dr. Fauci all of a sudden that you know when we should wear masks or not? I mean, what the hell? 
I don't know if I'm Dr. Fauci. I'm just asking questions. I find it fascinating. I, again, I missed that it was you. Then I saw yeah. it play it on SportsCenter. It was funny. It was awesome. Like I, I have, I have. Look, I have had a lot of fun moments and funny moments um, while doing this the last four years, and uh, that was one of them. Uh, because again, normally if I'm on the floor, I see Steph coming. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or LeBron walks away from me, and I'm assuming in my head, oh, he's going to say hi to somebody. So there, you know, that's happened a million times over. You know what I mean? But when you're when you're not when you're so far away, I couldn't, I didn't know what was happening, but yeah, yeah it, it was funny. And I thought he wanted to do it over again, but clearly he did not. He powered right through, which is why LeBron is a champ in so many ways. Mm. Yeah. Well, listen, I will tell you this um, after four straight losses and all of the talk about how tired the Lakers are and how maybe they won't even win another game before the all-star break yeah. and LeBron should be resting and watching his minutes because these games in advance of the all-star break are not going to be as important as what happens down the stretch. All of that was the dialogue last week, and I don't know what happened. I don't know where all the energy came from. I would I would like to give a lot of the credit to Dennis Schroeder's return, which is something we mm-hmm. talked about on Friday, and yeah. all of a sudden, these two straight wins, I've gone from that emotional wreck state to, okay, all right, things look like they're kind of getting back to, to normal, and we'll talk to Frank Vogel about it coming up in a few minutes. So this is going to be interesting because I've already talked to Frank Vogel yesterday. So I, I mean, I haven't talked to him after the Warriors game, but like I kind of know the answers to all those things. Do you want me to tell you the answers, or do you want to wait for to ask him? Uh, uh, I'm thinking now. Give me a. You second should wait here. to ask him. I, uh-huh. Greg, right? He should wait to ask him. Like <laughs> yes. I shouldn't fill the gaps for Frank because I'm like a cheat code right now because I've spoken to Frank less than about 24 hours ago. You don't want to play the Frank role right now. No, why would I? He's going to be on in a couple I'm, minutes. I'm with you. Listen, I think it's great. I think it's great that he's coming on. Looking forward to chatting have with him. Have you spoken to Frank I, before? I have never great spoken guy. to Frank. He's unbelievable. Like, it just like such a nice person. Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy. I'll tell you that. I mean, I didn't know about that David Letterman video until you mentioned it last week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went back and watched it again yeah. today. because he, He's probably been asked that one about 7,000 times, though. So I would avoid I, that one. I understand. I understand. Yeah. But, I mean, I can tell you this. I'm not the Unless only person in America. Unless you got a different spin on it. Do you got a different spin on it? I'm, the, I'm not the only person in America that hasn't seen it. Okay? I'm not the only person that didn't know anything about it. And, by the way, I'm not even so sure I really plan on going there. But um, it well, was I'm definitely fun to you, watch. Like, you know, I want you to you. I find you to be someone who's very curious. Very but curious. I want you to also come at him with something that's going to be different, right? Like, I don't want you to give him the same question he's had seven thousand times because then he's just going to give you the same answer he's given seven thousand mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out for you. you. I appreciate that. I do. I do. I have a bunch of stuff I'd like to get to him about. We'll see how far we can get into this. Oh, thing. you know what? His kids play high school sports. I know you're big into that right now. Yeah. How old are his kids? You know. They're in high school, <laughs> so I don't know. They're teenagers, I presume. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. wonder if they're uh, if they're in this this impact zone of the junior senior year, you know, where you're trying to play sports and you're trying to get I, recruited. I, yeah, and- I, I don't, his his girls play. I think they play soccer. I want to say, but yeah. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could ask him about just high school sports because he has kids in high school. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, and I'm obviously, forward. we will talk to him. I you know, look my opinion. Um, if you're asking, this is not what Frank would say. I don't know. Maybe he would. But my opinion is Dennis Schroeder plays a huge role in this. Mm-hmm. Like Dennis Schroeder is, outside of LeBron, I think one of the few guys that can create his own shot on this team. I think that he takes the burden off of LeBron in a number of ways, including having to be the point guard all the time. And I think LeBron playing off the ball is actually something that is probably relieving to him in, in some cases. Because – 
on every team he's been on previous to this iteration, he's gotten to kind of share that responsibility where, you know, when he was tired of not or tired of having the ball in his hands, you know, there was Kyrie or Dwayne Wade or, you know what I'm saying? Like there were people, uh, this team doesn't have, or last year's team didn't have very many of those guys. And this team's uh, only has really Schroeder. So I do think Dennis helps and it also frees him up. I think to play better defense too, perhaps. Well, listen, Frank's coming up, looking forward to chatting with him. Um, Really looking forward to asking a bunch of stuff that maybe is not necessarily just yeah. pure basketball. I figure let's get to the pure basketball stuff, yeah. and then uh, let's see how much time we've got left and how far we can get into this. I'm pretty yeah. stoked to talk to him. All right, uh, we're going to do that next. He's going to come up, so we will talk to Frank Vogel in about three minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sadat, LZ and Cap with you here. LZ out today. Just me and Cap. Frank Vogel's going to join us any second now. Laura will let me know when he's there. Um, I did see this interesting fact today on Uberfacts, and it says, on average, people who get out of bed at 7 a.m., perform better at work, tend to be happier, less stressed, and thinner. Kaplan, uh, are you an early riser? Very early riser, every day. doesn't matter what day of the week it is. doesn't matter what time of uh, night I went to sleep. Very early riser. How about you? Not me. I like to get up after 7 a.m. for sure. Um, occasionally, I will get up before then if... I just, you know, when my body naturally wakes up. But that's what I try to do. I try to um, sleep until my body says, all right, I'm good. Because occasionally I will, I will wake up and fall right back asleep. So as long as I'm still falling right back asleep, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, I'm one of those people that looks on Instagram and sees, like, do you know any of these, like, former Navy SEALs? Do you, have you ever seen a guy named Jocko Willenick? Have you ever seen him? No, I don't know uh, who Jocko is. Yeah, he's a former Navy SEAL. He's become, like, kind of an Instagram influencer. Or do you know who David Goggins is? No. Okay, well, listen. I don't, I, I don't spend very much time on Instagram. Okay, you know? well, um, I will tell you this. I see a lot of your children on Instagram, and that's how I get to keep up with your familia. Yeah, but that's, but, that's pretty much it. Like, but it, I see it, yeah. um, some of these like Navy SEALs, they'll like put their watch on, and they'll go, it's 4.30 in the morning. What are you doing? And I'm like, okay, I guess I better get going. Yeah, no, hell with that, dude. Yeah. What about Laura? Laura, what time are you getting up? I get up around 6.30 in the morning. Damn, doing, girl. girl. Mm-hmm. Wake up early. Get that day going, especially on a Monday morning. I saw your tweet early this morning. It was like, yo, what up, people? It's Monday. Let's get this thing fired up. Is that what you tweeted, Laura? Something like that. She tweeted something. <laughs> Sorry, like guys. I just got Frank Vogel on the line. Oh, so okay. He's more well, important than you guys. Sorry. He's, he, is, he is more important than <laughs> us. There's no question. The Lakers have won two in a row. The head coach of your world champion, Los Angeles Lakers, friend of the program, Frank Vogel, joins us now here. Uh, Frank, I, I, was, I was just telling the guys that he dropped. Yeah, he just dropped. Oh, okay. So oh, he's back. There he is. I want to know what time he wakes up. Yeah. Frank, are you there? I am here. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. We got you. I was just telling the crew that 
Uh, you know it's a good game for you when you don't have to talk to me in the third quarter. Hell, you wouldn't have had to have talked to me in the first quarter yesterday. That's always the plan with these national televised games. Like, if we could just get up 30 by the end of the third, then I don't have to do that in-game interview, and, and everything's just easier that way. <laughs> How much do you hate talking to us in that scenario? And I know you're a nice guy, so you 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 will do whatever it takes to do whatever you know the league wants and, and the partners want. But I know you guys hate talking to us in the middle of a game. <laughs> It's uh, it's good for the big picture, right? It's good for the game, you know. It's good for the fans to have that that type of access. But you know, obviously, when you're in that moment and uh, you know the quarter comes to a close, all you're thinking about is your rotations and what sets you want to run come out to start the fourth, and uh, you're just thinking about winning the game. So it is it is a little bit of a distraction. But you know, again, you just uh, keep the big picture in mind. It's just part of well, the job. The funny thing is, I always end up. I, it doesn't. It, sometimes it happens with you, but it feels like my biggest nightmare, and it happens regularly, is like your team is up, and then all of a sudden you blow a lead, and now you're like trailing or it's tied, and I got to deal with an upset version of you or whoever is is coaching in that scenario. I feel like that happens all the time. So if it happens again when it's you and me, just be aware I didn't do that. Okay, that, that was your team who did that. I'm gonna take it out on you, George. I'm gonna go straight close top of it on you next time. You know we lose the lead, and, and you're you're right in front of me like that. Listen, I got Popovich to crack a couple of years ago and laugh. Okay, that is a rare occurrence. So, uh, but Scott, can you ask Frank what we were talking about with Sean McVay the other day? We were talking about dancing, uh, Coach Vogel. So I, I want Scott to ask you the question that we posed to McVay. Well, Coach, good afternoon. It's great to talk to you for the first time. How are you today? Good, Scott. How you doing? Doing really great, Coach. Thank you very much. So, yeah, so Raheem Morris is the new defensive coordinator of the Rams. He came on the air. He told us Sean McVay is a great dancer. We bring Sean on. He tells us a couple of vodkas. He's a great dancer. We asked the question, if you could dance, what do you say? A uh, couple of beers. I'm a good dancer. There we go. <laughs> same answer. <laughs> yeah, same answer. You know, if, uh, if I'm at a wedding or something like that, yeah, I'll, I'll bust into some moves. But I'm not a great dancer overall, no. No, wedding I mean, listen, dancer, though. Wedding when, you dancer. Won, when you won the championship, did you get down a little bit? No. No, we were in a bubble. There's no party. We had a, you know, a little restaurant. That's it. There was no major celebration. <laughs> well, Coach, let me ask you this, though. Let me jump right into it, because what I'm curious about is this. When Anthony Davis goes out, and you guys now know it's going to be a while, do you have to sit down with the assistant coaches and kind of go back to the drawing board of, well, what do we do? How do we adjust? What do we have? And how do we go about winning games? I mean, can you just talk us through what happens on the realization that Anthony Davis isn't going to be with you for a while and then having to make changes to the lineup? Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's exactly what you do. You know, you have to adjust. Um, you have a, a few different ways you can go with your, with your lineups and, you know, your style of play and whatnot. And um, the number one thing that comes to mind, obviously, is, is making sure that you know, we don't put too much of it on, on LeBron or on any one player, you know, to try to pick up the slack. You know, it's got to be a team effort. Um, but you do go through the, you know, the different scenarios you can do. You can go with uh, with your starting lineup and how you're going to use your rotation and what, you know, how, how guys' roles are going to change. So um, we came out of the gates with one way. We lost a few in a row. We, we shifted and, um, you know, we got, we got beaten at that Utah game. But um, the last two have been pretty good. All right. Uh, Frank, as far as like making these ch changes to the lineup and, and, you know, hey, here's a starting rotation. Things aren't going so well. Let's start over here and see what we got. Um, is it remotely predictable at all? 
Well, sure. I mean, you know, you, you have a way that you think you can win. And, um, you know, when you see it play out on the floor, you know, you see some, some areas that uh, present problems. You know, one of the problems I felt like with the first first three games is we were playing a nine-man rotation, and I felt like I wanted to go a little deeper than that. You know, so, um, you know, that's that's what the, the shift in the starting lineup really triggered is, is trying to go one more deep. So, you know, hopefully uh, we were shooting the ball so poorly, you know, so hopefully – you know, getting another guy in there and, and shrinking guys' minutes a little bit, and the rotation is down a little bit, uh, would just help us to, to stay a little more fresh than, than we looked in some of those games. Frank Vogel, the head coach of your world champion Los Angeles Lakers, with us here on 710 ESPN. So, obviously, having Schroeder has been a huge lift for you guys. Um, but I noticed yesterday you were staggering him and LeBron some. Um, what went into that, Frank? Yeah, it was just a, it was a game one uh, plan with Dennis coming back where, um, you know, obviously we've been struggling with the lineups when LeBron's out of the game. And, uh, you know, obviously using Dennis uh, in those in those minutes uh, would be beneficial. But at the same time, he, he hadn't been on a court for a week or so. So we were concerned about his legs and conditioning. So, you know, the coaching staff and I just discussed potentially using a, a short first uh, sub for him, for Dennis. You know, get him out there before the seven-minute mark and then bring him back for LeBron, you know, so he can be fresh uh, in those minutes when LeBron's out. And, um, you know, the first two games we've done that, it's, it's looked pretty good. Um, so we'll probably stick with it for now. Coach, I want to ask you about LeBron and minutes. You know, when the losing streak was happening, the one thing people were saying was LeBron's playing too much. And my question is, you know, can you sit him? I mean, do, what goes into his playing or not playing? Do you guys talk about it before games? I'm just curious – because it's got to be kind of a weird position. Like, dude, I think you need to sit, but he says, I don't want to sit. No, it's a, it's a group decision. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we feel like he, he needs to sit and, you know, we can uh, talk to him and, and talk to the medical team and all come up with a group decision that we all agree with, um, you know, then that can be the right, right thing to do. But if he's feeling well and wants to play, uh, we're going to have him out there. And, um, you know, we trust him. He knows his body more than anyone. Uh, Mike Nancias and the medical team knows his body more than anyone. And uh, if there's a reason to sit, he'll sit. But if there's not, then, then we expect him to, you know, he, he wants to be in there. And uh, we're going to welcome him being in there. And I, I just think it's such a great example for, uh, you know, not only the rest of his teammates, but, you know, I think the younger generation, you know, uh, of this league. Um, you know, as you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of teams move towards guys sitting out and missing a lot of games. You know, I just think he's such a great example. So, uh, we make these decisions as a group. Um, he's always open-minded to hear everyone's perspective, uh, as are we, uh, to hear his perspective. And um, like I said, we, we make these decisions as a group. Frank right. Vogel jo joining us here. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Well, uh, Frank, I think it's really super interesting to hear you talk about that because I think a lot of us have a perception. Like, you just can't tell him what to do or when to sit, but it sounds like it's a, a collaboration amongst the entire team. No, it, it absolutely is. You know, and um, we've had a great partnership. You know, I, I think since since LeBron's been here, uh, beginning with with uh, Rob Plink and Kurt Rambis and LeBron, and then uh, myself and my coaching staff since we got here to just talk these things out and see what makes sense. And um, you know, when you collaborate and you make group decisions, uh, usually you're you're moving things in the right direction and and you're making pretty smart decisions with things. So um, you know, it's a great process that's worked for us this far, and we'll continue to do so. Frank. You've won two in a row since the the four game losing streak. The Jazz game, though, like how do you how do you deal with that after? Do you just throw that one away? Do you do you 
put yourself through the misery of watching it again as a group? Like, how does that work? You know, if we uh, if we had practice scheduled, uh, we would have watched it as a group and just looked at, at ways we could have been better. You know, we, we always remove the result of the game from our film sessions. You know, like, let's just look at, uh, you know, sort of what happened. Look at how, how well we executed our habits. You know, some things tactically we could do differently. And, and let's try to grow from this game, regardless of whether we, we won, we lost, uh, we won big, we lost big. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, this was a, a situation where after the overtime game and traveling, I felt like our team was fatigued. Uh, so I gave them off the next day uh, and, and, the, and the next morning off of, uh, you know, leading into the Portland game uh, to try to just come into that game as, as fresh as possible with our minds and, and with our bodies. And, um, you know, all we really said about that, that Utah game is we, we sucked last game. Let's put it behind us and let's beat, beat Portland. And, um, you know, sometimes that's the right approach. Sometimes it's not. But uh, that's what we did in that game. We were able to get, to get the job done versus the Blazers. Can, can, can you give me uh, – see, I, I'm going to play – we're going to do a little role play here because I didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday in-game. But my guy Dave Pash got the greatest answer from you in that Portland game in the third quarter. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I want you to recreate that. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, I'm I'm Dave Passion, Frank Vogel, Lakers head coach for this year. You know, Frank Portland is. Uh, you know, you've taken the lead here in this situation. What's the key to winning the game uh, the rest of the way here? Oh no. Yeah, I think you said what's the key to winning the fourth quarter. And I, you know, my answer was simple. If I should have pulled down my mask to show a smile because, like, you know, with the mask, you don't really get to show your true emotions. So, you know, it was said in jest, but we got we got to slow down Dame Dollar. That's that's what it comes out. We know he's gonna have the ball, so that's the yeah. guy we gotta slow down. <laughs> and I, and I loved obvious, it. I was right? I was sitting on my couch howling of laughter. They were too on the broadcast <laughs> because of what of the way you said it. Now you didn't have to take the mask off because I could just tell with the way your face moved and your <laughs> eyes moved that you were you were having a ball with that. But you were right. But also you nailed it. Like that to me. I want that. I want you to give everybody's nickname every time you do that. Like I feel like that could be your move. <laughs> Well, it was almost like, hey, let's let's state the obvious here. We got to slow down that guy, right? Period. Hey, yeah. Frank, uh, let me let me talk to you about something that's non-Laker, non-basketball. You ready? Okay. All right. Uh, George told me because I've been a big proponent of the "let them play California" movement, and happy to see that high school sports are coming back. George tells me you have some high school athletes in the family. Is that right? I, I do. Yes. Can we hear a little bit more about who, what they play, etc.? Yeah, I, I have two daughters uh, that play soccer and one potentially playing lacrosse, um, you know, at, uh, at our local high school. And, um, you know, they've been out all year. And, you know, they're, they're just now talking about, we actually have a meeting tomorrow night um, about the resumption of play and what that's all going to look like. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, I think it's long overdue. And, um you know, I'll be excited to see uh, to be able to go and watch some soccer games hopefully soon. How old are the girls, and what grades are they in? I have a junior and and, and freshman. Okay, so gotcha. Seventeen, just turned seventeen and fourteen. And are they club soccer players as well, or high school players? Well, yeah, they both play club, but you know the way you know with the pandemic, there's always you know certain restrictions, and um, you know I think they're going to be put in a position where they have to choose one or the other. You know, because obviously you don't want to, uh, you know, your your athletes playing with a certain group of players, you know, and potentially being exposed to the virus and then bringing that back to your, you know, your team group. So, you know, there's some restrictions there, some tough decisions. And, 
That's kind of what we're going through in our household right now. Oh, dude, I know, man. I've been there. Well, not through the pandemic, but I've had a daughter who played high school soccer, club soccer, went on to play college soccer, and just, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. Like, I thought, oh, my God, I've got three daughters. I need to have a boy to play some sports. But I'm telling you, watching your girls play sports, I, I mean, it was like my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do. I don't know how much you must love it as well, but, um, and especially going from yeah. coach to, to father and fan. Yeah, I don't miss I don't miss a game if I'm in town or if I can be there. I'm going to be there, and you know it's been that way since they were, you know, four and six years old. You know, uh, it is just one of the most enjoyable things in my life, and something I miss very dearly. Frank Vogel with us here. Last thing before we let you go, we were making fun of Scott because he, um, he 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 occasionally takes uh, one too many selfies for my liking personally. That is not true, uh, Coach. That is yeah, not it, true. It is. It's fine. It's not he true, just Coach. Won't, he, he won't admit it. It's fine. You know, it's okay. Uh, Frank Vogel. Ever are you a selfie guy at all or no? I would say minimally. You know, okay. I think like if I'm in a place, uh, you know, where I want to, you know, send a, a picture to my wife and daughters of, hey, look where I'm at. I might right. take a selfie in, in those situations. Right. Um, I do. I do take. You know, when when I'm taking pictures of my myself and my daughters, uh, or myself and my wife. I, I do think the selfie is uh, is is more appropriate than you handing your phone to somebody to take your picture, especially now, right? Yeah, that, totally. That's the right way to do it. Very effective. And, and I'd also I'll throw this two cents into the selfie that nobody does autographs anymore. There's no autographs, mm-hmm. right? The, the modern day autograph is is can I get a picture with you? So, right. You know, you get selfies in those situations. Of course, pre pre pandemic. Right now, it's like let's be you know stand six, six feet apart. <laughs> if you want my picture, you stand over there. The camera take the picture taker stands over there. <laughs> yeah, you know, those types of things. So, dude, it's funny because I was at the airport doing a game, doing your game in the preseason against against Phoenix, and I ran into Charles Barkley. And even with a mask on, six he didn't even care about six feet. People were asking him; he'd still do it. Uh, I was like, Charles, you're a better man than me, bro. I am not. I am not pulling that off. But good lord, but yeah, I, I am. I am with you there, Coach. Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for making time for us. Best of luck, continued success, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line soon. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, you Frank. got it. There he is. Frank Vogel, head coach of your Los Angeles Lakers. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, here's what we're going to do, Cap. We're just going to do the contest right now. Laura, are you ready to hit the contest right now? (laughs) Congrats to Matt Figueroa from Whittier. You are our Mission 18 grand prize winner and have won $1,800 in cold, hard cash. En efectivo. So congratulations to Matt Figueroa. You win 1,800 bones. That is awesome. It's brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. Visit SweetJames.com. All right. There you go. There you go. Look at that. Um, So you know what we didn't get to talk to Frank Vogel about? Tell me if you've ever talked to him about this, because, you know, talking to him about brushing his teeth with a basketball that that everybody thinks everybody in the world has seen, but we haven't. Um, Have you ever asked him if he's ever gotten into horse racing because of his relationship with Rick Pitino? 
Uh, no, but you can ask him that next time. Next time for sure. That's something yeah. I definitely wanted to get into. You know, George, I've had the chance to get to know Patino because he joined our horse racing group. Um, you know, I think I've told you about this before. I right? take 20 people. Everybody puts in money. We buy all these horses. We brace them all summer, and then we, we sell them, and we give everybody their money back. And Patino joins our group every year, and um, he loves, loves, loves horse racing. Yeah. And so I, got, I wonder if Frank, given his background – with Patino has ever gotten into it and his background in Kentucky. Yeah, uh, maybe. You never know, right? I mean, you know the story of how I hooked up with Patino, right, Vogel? Or no? I'm not sure I know the story exactly. You wrote him I a mean, letter. Oh, right, because he was at a small school in like New York or New Jersey or someplace mm-hmm. in the Northeast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he wound up transferring to Kentucky, as I recall. Yeah, he wrote him a letter to get a job there, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've read that story a little bit. Yeah. 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 So he he might, you know, Patino is uh, is is obviously huge into the horse racing after all those years in Kentucky. But yeah, it, it Vogel and Vogel told us the story. I think that when he was I'm trying to remember, he had some sort of connection with like Jordan and Patino when Patino was playing in the NBA. He told me the story once. I just don't remember off the top of my head right now. But um, nonetheless, uh, Frank has got. You know, a lot of these guys in sports, when you think about it, particularly coaches, when you've gotten to this level, you've you've been on multiple staffs throughout the years, right? Working your way up as a scout, as an assistant, you know, video guy, whatever it is, right? And it, you, you, you come across so many different people that you have a bazillion stories. So it's just about really just finding uh, the right story. But I, he might be into horse racing. I don't but know. It, but you see, the thing I find interesting about a guy like Frank Vogel or I know a guy like you've covered, Eric Spolstra, is this ascent to where you become a head coach, but not just a head coach, you become a head coach of a championship caliber team, but your playing career was not necessarily what you would call decorated per se, right? You weren't all American and lottery no, pick. They were, you know, college basketball players, they, right? They were, yeah. they were good ball players. They played yeah. well in high school. They had a, you know, kind of a, a college career, but they were just more prepared, uh, to be a coach rather than a player because physically they didn't have necessarily what it took, but they had the desire and the passion for the game and the smarts for the game. But what fascinates me is guys who can come up through the ranks who will do all these jobs that you're talking about, scouting, film room. I mean, you you just most guys in the NFL, George, go from player, they get out of playing, they either get into broadcasting or they're immediately thrust into some entry-level coaching position. Some guys, if they've got the name and the history, might be able to get a position coach and then elevate quickly to coordinator and even head coach. But generally, it's because you had an NFL playing career. Very few guys didn't have NFL playing careers. Well, Belichick didn't. No, no, that's a good example. But another example would be like a guy like Pete Carmichael, who's the offensive coordinator in New Orleans Saints. You know, he didn't have a career. He was that guy. Carmichael was a baseball player in college and worked his way into an NFL office and elevated. I'll give you an example. Phil Jackson and Pat Riley are two of the most successful NBA coaches in NBA history. Um, And neither of them were great NBA players like you know, both guys were great in college, and, you know, they were role players, basically, in the NBA. But they were NBA players. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, Frank Vogel was small college player, mm-hmm. transferred to Kentucky, and as I recall reading the story, if anybody can find this on Google, is, you know, they he couldn't play on Kentucky's team, but, but Patino put in a, a junior varsity team, you know, and Vogel apparently, according to the story that I had read, played on that. 
Yeah. Um, but so again, to, to go from have, you know, very humble playing background to do anything you can do inside of an organization to learn, to, uh, to elevate, et cetera, to then get to a point where you become an NBA head coach and have some success like he did in Indiana. And now to have the plum of all jobs in pro sports, you're managing LeBron and the Lakers. And I, th- I think it's just, I think it's really, really cool. And I think it was also really interesting to hear him talk about when they've got to regroup, when they know AD's out, and they got to come up with, who's the starting lineup? Well, that's not working. Let's try something else. Let's get this guy in there. Maybe he can give us 13 points. See Markeith Morris. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to hear. Um, well, you know, we could talk about that a little bit on the other side. Also, we can react to kind of some of the stuff Frank said. But real quick, I want to congratulate our guy here. Matt Figueroa from Whittier is our Mission 18 grand prize winner. Won 1800 bucks in cash. Matt, congratulations, bro. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Dude. Thank you, guys. What's going on, guys? Dude, 1800 big ones. I remember when you won... Was it last week? I don't remember. Did you win eight, 180 or 360? I don't remember exactly how much money you won. It was, uh, it was 180. It was last Wednesday. Yeah. So I was tuned in. I was tuned in, ready to go today. So yeah. pumped, guys. Oh, man. 1800 well, bucks. What are you going to do with the cash? I am going to put it into savings. My wife and I are trying to save up for a home right now, so that's going straight to savings. We'll oh, celebrate wow. a little bit, but most of it's going to savings. <laughs> yeah, man. C- congratulations on that. Yeah, I know, man. Put it in some Bitcoin too. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm not giving <laughs> ah, you, you financial. Right? <laughs> I'm not giving you financial advice, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, d- hey, listen, know, look to, that, look that to invest been, if you can too. That would have been great advice when Bitcoin was at like ten thousand. Now that it's like fifty thousand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, Matt, it's, it's taking off right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Matt, congratulations again, brother, uh, on winning the 180 and now winning the grand prize of 1800. You and your wife, best of luck uh, with the house, and and thank you for being such a loyal listener. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys day in and day out. You guys are the best. Seven, thank 10, you, Matt. ESPN. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. There you go. All right, we got a winner. All right, cool, coming up man. next, let's react to Vogel. Also, some big news in the NFL, and it's going to affect uh, the Rams in a big way. We'll get to that coming up in about. Four and a half minutes. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. So we found out Frank Vogel will dance after a few beers. At a wedding. At a wedding. Mm-hmm. But not a normal dancer. You know, not like a regular, uh, you know, type to cut up a rug. Not his deal. So... There I've been learning some would- new moves, just so you know, George. Oh, yeah? I've been learning some new moves. I've been working on them. And uh, Unique, you'll be happy to know this, Laura. I've been learning some new moves on the Peloton with Cody Rigsby. And he's like one of the instructors who is just every class is, hey, come on, we're in a club, yo. And then he just starts busting moves, and I'm just learning is what I'm doing. From the Peloton guy? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Anybody who's on the Peloton who knows Cody knows what I'm talking about. 
You need a Latina, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, for real, bro. <laughs> or a Latino. I mean, you know. Or actually, you know what, Greg? You didn't do so bad. So Greg can help out. See, there you go. Have you taken your video yet, Scott? We, we all need this. How have we not done this yet? All right, I'll, I'll work on it. Because I mean, you've been working on it. it for like four days. I mean, I, I that's just, true. You're I, right. We just you're need right. to know if you've Proper got anything editing. or not, you know, and then we can judge you and either uh, congratulate you or mock you. This is okay. how it goes. Okay. It's very simple. Enough. It needs to be done by tomorrow when LZ's here. Yeah. He needs yeah, would, to be able to right. see this. I think LZ is probably the best judge of, of my dance moves. I mean, listen, you're, maybe your dance video sells for millions of dollars, like these digital art things I'm seeing or the NBA Top Shot stuff that I'm seeing. Out I don't there. know what that is, NBA Top Shot. Can you explain that? Because let me tell you something. And I know we said we were going to get back to football and how it affects the Rams, but, but I don't know what NBA Top Shot is. It's top shot, um, oh, but God. the it, it's basically very similar to, to digital art where a lot of pieces are being sold, even though you can find this anywhere. The original is selling for an enormous amount uh, you know, of, of dollars, right? So, for example, let's just take um, yesterday, uh, a LeBron slam dunk, right? Let's just use that as an example. Mm-hmm. LeBron dunks the ball. You get the digital video of that but the original right there are only x amount of originals available and based on how many originals are available that's where the market price is now that same video can play on the internet seven bazillion times but you own the original and it's basically just a collector's item it's just another aspect to to collectibles it's just a digital version of it as opposed to when you and i were little kids and we had trading cards although trading cards are back too because i saw luka Doncic's rookie card from panini goes for like four billion dollars recently yeah this whole nba top what's it called top shot don't know it and i really don't and i'm being serious like i don't understand who's shooting the video um well the video is an original video from whoever you know whether it's the nba or um, you know, Getty or whoever the original pers- photographer for those particular moments are. But how does the person who is the subject of the of the shot or the video, that person doesn't receive any compensation? Not to my knowledge, no. Yeah, I got to learn more about this. Yeah. Don't know much about it. Yeah, um, I've seen and, it. I've you seen know, what but you're digital about. art, digital art is a thing too. There was a story this afternoon about a, a, a an artist in Miami, uh, Pablo Rodriguez who spent $67,000 on a 10-second video artwork um, that he could have watched free online, like I said. He sold it for $6.6 million this week. $6.6 million. Wow. That is That's crazy. That's 100 times what he paid for it. That is crazy. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really, really, really got to dig in because I don't understand it. Maybe people out there have a better idea and can help us at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 on whether it's digital art or this NBA Top Shot stuff. And maybe someone can explain it better than I did uh, and give us a little more, uh, I guess, of, of an insight on, well, here's, on here's how it all tw- works. Here's a tweet from a gentleman named Garrett. Nakagawa, who sent a MarketWatch.com article that said, what is NBA Top Shot? Everything you need to know about the digital assets. So I'll read the article and I'll try and I'll try and get a little bit more into it. But um, yeah, it's it's somewhat confusing. Like, it's easy to say this guy's rookie card is worth this much money because the market has said it as such. But a small video of somebody performing is worth that kind of money. I don't know. Seems strange. Seems hard. You know, to, Brian to Winhorst. Brian Winhorst did a story about this for ESPN.com last week, Greg. Maybe we should have him on at some point this week. That's a good idea. 
Sure. And we could just talk Lakers and Clippers and basketball with him too. But, uh, yeah, if we can get Brian on this week, he wrote the story for ESPN, so he would have a far better idea than, than I would. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. There's a good reason to have Wendy on. Not that any day is not a good reason to have Wendy on to talk anything. But uh, All right, so w- maybe someone in the audience can help us as well. But we do appreciate uh, the tweet that Garrett sent in as well. So we'll, I mean, I'm reading it, and it, it, it basically gives you what I told you for the most part. I don't think that there's anything in there that um, explains anything in more further detail. It's a pretty quick summary type thing. So it's just a digital marketplace. So there you go. It's just so it's just like Bitcoin or Litecoin or any of those kind of things. It's just a something that's on your computer. Yeah, you can't and it like uses take it blockchain out technology. Wallet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Hey, look, it. this is hard stuff to explain. I mean, I'm really being serious because you know when when Bitcoin first came out, and when people started hearing about blockchain, the the idea of trying to explain it. Um, and by the way, there were very few people that really understood it or could explain it. Right. Um, the difference between what a cryptocurrency is versus what blockchain technology is really set up and designed to do. And so, you know, a few years later, you're, you're seeing Bitcoin be up in these astronomical numbers of like 50,000. And even that for many people is like, I don't get it. Where do I buy it? How do I get yeah. in on it? I mean, this is this is not exactly what you would call commonplace stuff. You know, you got to yeah. do your homework to get in on this stuff. Well, right, because like anything. Don't, but don't you have to do your homework on anything you buy that is worth a lot of money? Yes, yes. Um, but in the case of this digital video thing that we're talking about... I'm, and by the way, by the yeah. way, the NBA and its players union do get a cut of this. Okay, well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, that seems to make a lot more sense. I mean, if you're going to buy a video of LeBron James slam dunking and there's only 10 of them, right? you can't – LeBron's got to get a piece of that pie and the NBA's got to yeah. get a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Makes sense so there you now. Go. Yeah. yeah. Makes so, Laura, if someone calls in to explain some of this, feel free at 877-710-ESPN and just let me know. There's no uh, chance anybody's calling in to give us any information about this because nobody knows about this. Yeah, I don't think uh, maybe people in this audience don't know, but it is a big deal. Like a lot of people are doing it. So I don't think I think nobody is probably a little hyperbolic. I would be if I were a listener right now, I'd be calling. I go, yeah, I know everything about it. And then I just read to you that marketwatch.com article and go, yeah, you see. Right. But I could tell because I also have the market watch story up myself. I can kind of figure that out. I could I could sniff a phony a mile away. Right. I understand. Yeah. Uh, J.J. Watt. To the Arizona Cardinals. We didn't get a chance to actually talk about that, and I wanted to talk about that. Let's do that in what you need to know, because I feel like that deserves a few minutes to discuss, and I I think that there are real implications on what already is the toughest division in football getting a lot tougher. So let's get to that. We'll be back in two and a half minutes.